I'm Douglas Brush, and you're listening to Cybersecurity Interviews. Cybersecurity Interviews is the weekly podcast dedicated to digging into the minds of the influencers, thought leaders, and individuals who shape the cybersecurity industry. I discover what motivates them, explore their journey in cybersecurity, and discuss where they think the industry is going. The show lets listeners learn from the experts' stories and hear their opinions on what works and doesn't in cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Cybersecurity Interviews. In this episode, we're speaking with Dean Sisman. Dean is the CEO and co-founder of Axonis. Dean is a world-renowned expert in cybersecurity and has been honored with being in the Forbes 30 Under 30 Israel 2017 list. Before founding Axonis, Dean co-founded Symmetria, a YC-backed cyber deception company with Fortune 500 customers. He has spoken at major conferences including Black Hat, DEF CON, CCC, and more. He's an alumnus and of an elite unit of Israel Intelligent Corps, where he served for five years as a team leader and officer. Dean is a graduate of the Special Edgar program, where he earned his bachelor's in computer science at the age of 19. In 2005, Dean was part of the gold medal winning team at the International Robotic Olympics in South Korea. In this episode, we discuss his start in InfoSec in Israel, being a founder, measuring security effectiveness, cybersecurity fundamentals, hiring the right people, participating in the community, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Dean, how are you? Thank you for joining me in Cybersecurity Interviews. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, great. It's uh, my pleasure. I kind of followed you for a little while and seen some of the things you've done. But uh, kind of give the listeners a little bit of a background on how you got to be in what we're you know, now calling cybersecurity, risk management, infosec, whatever we want to call it, but uh, where you are now. Yeah, sure. So today I'm the, the CEO and co-founder of Exonius, which is a cybersecurity asset management uh, startup. Um, I got into the industry, um, like uh, I'm, I'm originally from Israel. I'm, I've been living in New York for, for a few years now, but um, like many Israelis, I got through it through um, um, my army service. I'm part of this unit in Israel called E200, uh, which is sort of, sort of like the equivalent of the NSA in Israel. In Israel, there's a mandatory uh, army service. Uh, so basically, you go, uh, everybody does. Um, and I can't really talk about what I did there, uh, but obviously, you can you can read up online and see what kind of stuff uh, people do there. Very cool. And, but you've also been uh, a founder of a couple companies, at least along the way, or at least uh, uh, Symmetra. I can never know if I say that right. It's, it's uh, Symmetra, or I can't ever remember that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, somehow I end up uh, I end up uh, being in, in startups with uh, hard to pronounce names. Um, but but no, you, you pronounce it correctly the first time it's Symmetria. Uh, the whole point of it being like a cyber, cyber symmetry. Um, the name actually coming from the fact that uh, um, that today we have a very, very deep asymmetry between attackers and defenders, right? The, the, the example we'd like to use the most uh, um, at, at Symmetria while I was there was uh, that uh, JP Morgan, I think it was 2016, that it was hacked uh, publicly. And uh, it was, you know, it was hacked by a couple of guys, uh, you know, doing it from their bedroom while they were obviously spending hundreds of millions of dollars in their information security. Um, so that was that was the, the pick of the name. Uh, if, if I want to give sort of my background um, and how I got to Symmetra and Exonius and, and my hope this wouldn't be too long of an answer. 
but basically, I was I was very fortunate in my life uh, that very early on I knew what my passion was, um, and it was it was uh, technology and specifically computers. Uh, I learned how to program by myself when I was twelve. Uh, the reason I did that was I loved video games and I wanted to create my own my own computer games. But once I learned how to program, I realized that that's way more interesting than than just a video game. Instead of trying to play in the in the rule set that somebody else made, you can actually make the rules. Um, and I, I didn't really know a lot about information security, uh, even though I was really fascinated by it from from media and everything I was reading about. Um, but I, I sort of uh, uh, got into it um, uh, years later. And when I was about to finish my, my army service, I, I realized a couple of things. Um, one is that, that I'm an extremely uh, damaged individual. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain what that means. Okay. Um, a lot of people ask, you know, once there are a lot of people who, who uh, look at the startup life, looking at being a co-founder of a startup, is something that's that's very exciting um, and very. Uh, I would even go so far as to say glamorous. Um, and they asked me, you know, how how did you end up becoming you know co-founder of a startup, especially one that you know that is considered successful uh, by some metrics. Um, and I keep telling them, I, I wish I had. Um, <laughs> it's not like I had a choice. Um, just because I'm, you know, just as a person. Uh, I, I need I need sort of that crusade. I need sort of that problem that I get up in the morning and I see it and it just, I cannot let it go, right? It keeps me up at night that something just doesn't work the way it should be. Um, and I wish I wish somehow in my personality that I could be, you know, having a regular job, but, but at the end of the day, that's, that's sort of who I am uh, and I've accepted that. Um, and it's definitely not glamorous, definitely. Um, has a lot of dark sides, like a lot of people know about being co-founder of a startup. Um, and when I was about to finish my army service, I realized that, you know, I, I that's that's something that I want to do. Um, and that's how I ended up uh, uh, joining Gadi Avram, who's the CEO of, of Symmetria, and, and co-founding that company. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, to see Gotti kind of present. God, this goes back almost uh, three or four years ago. We did a, uh, a kind of a founders roundtable and, and had a bunch of people. And uh, it was RSA, and it was this kind of offsite pre RSA event that was the best thing I saw at RSA <laughs> uh, that year by far because it had all the co-founders number who've been on the show before. But you know, really kind of talking about how you know going from a technologist in to becoming a founder and some of the challenges that are presented. So, you know, if you had to kind of give some advice to some folks that were saying, Hey, you know, I kind of want to go out and, and build my own thing. What would be some of the pitfalls you would try to steer them away from, or, or maybe some of the things they say, Hey, really kind of double down on this effort. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, so I think, uh, it's really, there's, there's so much advice out there for founders. Um, and one of the things that, that, I like the most is, is to give this this caveat of you know whatever advice uh, uh, that anybody gives um, is something that that's worked for them right it doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for somebody else um, so one of the toughest things for a founder is to understand which advice they should take they get a lot of advice from from everybody from their investors their their employees their uh, co-founders their uh, everywhere um, just picking which advice you, you take is an incredibly difficult uh, thing in its own. Um, so I'll try and give something that I'm very confident in and just 
my core, the core of, of what I feel is the right thing to say, which is um, if you're going to start a company, if you're going to be a co-founder company, if you're going to join a startup as an early employee, uh, there's usually one thing that's the most critical part, and that is, and that is the, the, the obsession with the problem, right? Um, and this, is, this might not be as, as, as uh, descriptive for, for consumer companies, but we're talking about cybersecurity and, and B2B, you know, enterprise type sales. Um, this is very, very true. Um, just have a complete obsession with the problem that you're you're looking to solve, right? The problem is 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 everything. Everything revolves around the problem, um, and and many times people pick a technology or a solution, um, and they try and find a problem for it. Um, I'm a big proponent of the fact that the more you understand the problem, uh, the the more successful you'll be able to be. In you know, kind of looking back at, I guess your your history from back then to now, what, what are some of the problems you try to solve? And have you felt that some of the early problems are still there? Right, right. So that's that, actually, it's a good segue into, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the shift from, from Symmetria to Exonius and what Exonius is, is all about. So in Symmetria, we, uh, I'll, I'll talk really briefly. Uh, it's a cyber deception company. Basically, the problem there is around, like we discussed, the asymmetry of cyber, right? Uh, you end up spending so much money, so many resources, and then a very low resource attacker um, is able to, to, to give, you know, provide a lot of, uh, uh, um, or create a lot of damage or risk for you. Um, the way we approach that is, is by using something called cyber deception, which means basically an attacker is going to get into your network um, and you're going to not be able to keep all of them out. The most important thing is to be able to detect them as early as possible. And the way to do that is not by trying to be uh, more advanced or more agile than the attacker because you'll never be able to do that for every attacker. Uh, the, the goal is to use the home court advantage and basically make his uh, um, uh, lack of knowledge of your network the way to make him expose himself, right? Uh, pretty similar to the concept of a honeypot just in a, implemented in a technology that, that allows to do it on an enterprise scale. Um, um, and that's basically what we did there. I really connected to that problem space because uh, I understood it from the point of view of an attacker, right? I knew exactly how scary or how risky it would be for an attacker to look at a network that does that. Um, and that's that's why I was very, very profitable about that problem. But what happened was uh, um, something along Along the way, is uh, I was I was working with this team at a very very large enterprise, probably one of the largest enterprises in the world, um, and uh, we were trying to work together on, on other security projects. Um, very advanced team had probably you know very very deep deep layers of, of defense, um, and something we were working on uh, ended up creating um, a bunch of, of alerts in their systems. Uh, and this was in a pursuit of finding, like you know, advanced attackers within within their network. Now, uh, what happened next was was sort of mind blowing to me, and I guess I was naive at that point in the industry to think that would shock me. Um, but what happened was we'd get these alerts, and they would have you know some kind of unique identifier, you know, an IP address, a host name, and we would you know suspect these machines to to be doing things that nobody, unless it's an advanced attacker, would be doing inside the network. Um, and what happened was uh, I, I was working with that team 
I told them, hey, you know, this is great. We're finding all these, you know, potentially, you know, advanced attackers inside the network. What are these, these devices? What are these machines? Um, and basically, we never figured that out. Uh, it's, it's sort of insane, but just taking an IP address or, or a host name and trying to figure out, you know, the very basics of understanding what the, the context of the device is, who owns it, why is it doing those things that, that look extremely malicious? Um, where is it um, in the environment? Why is it there? What kind of operating systems does it have? What kind of agents? All the very, you know, just the basic context of understanding what that thing was well, turned out to be almost an, an impossible task. Um, and, and that was, you know, sort of the, the, the segue into what Exonius does and, and what it tries to solve. Gotcha. One of the things that I saw was that you guys actually made, um, you know, coming up into RSA season, uh, but you were uh, selected as a finalist for the uh, Innovation Sandbox contest. Um, so obviously you get some some good uh, visibility with going into RSA, but I think some of the challenges that a lot of people see in RSA year to year is there's still uh, a lot of noise in the industry. There's a lot of things that are being put out there but there's still a lot of problems that are not getting solved year after year. So how do you kind of try to separate your signal to the noise ratio when you're presenting a project or particularly a product at something so kind of big and splashy as RSA? Excellent, excellent question. And, and we are very happy and, and humbled to be selected as a finalist in the Innovation Sandbox. Um, I think when, you, you know, if we get down to the root of why, why is security so tough? And it is a very, very tough thing to do um, in the modern world. I think that it all boils down into the fact that it's very hard to measure uh, security, right? It's very hard to measure, um, am I secure? It's very hard to measure how much value is a security solution for me. Um, and I think that in particular, something that uh, I've seen on the vendor side, not everybody understands is just how difficult it is security practitioners' jobs are um, because if they do a great job and their environment is secure, then their their you know their business always looks at them as a as an expense uh, as a as a cost center versus a profit. And if they don't do a good job, then their actual you know personal careers are, are on the line. So it's sort of a situation where it's very very difficult to be successful, even if you are. Um, and one of the things that that have happened in security that there's been a lot of technologies who've been trying to make. Uh, uh, those practitioners' jobs uh, much better. Um, and I think what's happened is technologies took off so much, so many different kinds of, of uh, things happening in, in enterprise networks today, you know, mobile, cloud, many, many types of device, many types of operating systems. What's happened, and, and obviously the more of these that happen, the more digital our world becomes, uh, there's been way more threats and uh, the threats have propagated and become more advanced. What's happened is we're seeing, you know, you walk down the RSA uh, uh, booths, the, the event hall, and you see an immense amount of advanced technologies, immense amount of stuff, you know, around uh, AI, op, you know, deception, uh, um, um, security orchestration, so many advanced technologies. I think we've sort of lost what the fundamentals are of doing security, right? Um, and one of the things that Exonius does is to make sure that the fundamentals, the thing that everybody should be able to do are, are, are done and let them spend their time on the real advanced technical security stuff rather than trying to figure out 
if they really have an inventory of their network or, or if they know where their security agents are deployed or if they know the vulnerability assessments covering their cloud environment or so many different use cases that are very, very challenging because of the fragmentation of the enterprise networks we have today. Gotcha. And I mean, that comes down to a big, a big thing, you know, kind of what you touch on with what you do now. It's like, there's a lot of that fundamentals. There's a lot of that visibility um, that folks have not had in, in their enterprise or what they've had. And so it, it still seems to be an ongoing issue and probably only seems to be more complicated with things like IoT, cloud, you kind of have this expanding perimeter. Um, do you see, you know, what were some of the challenges you see with some of these newer technologies that or might kind of hit on old problems or even present some of their own new problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that our, our solution is, is based on is the fact that if you used to have, uh, uh, you know, three, four different uh, things managing your, your enterprise network, right. You'd, I don't know. You'd have uh, one antivirus, one uh, IT agent. Uh, you'd probably just use active directory. You'd have a flat network. One type of device, you know, just basically Windows laptops. Today, there's so many different things holding information in your environment. There's, a, you know, dozens of silos of information um, in your environment. And what, what Exonius tries to do is to say you're, you're swamped with data. There's so much data in your environment. The problem is not collecting more data. It's not about, you know, another network scanner, another agent. Um, it's about just taking the data you have and making sense of it. Right? So, so what our solution does is we have a very, very long list of integrations into existing solutions, any kind of the things that I mentioned, over 100 of them. And basically, we just pull the information from every kind of end of the, of the organization, whether it's from, from cloud, from mobile, from IoT, from endpoints, from servers, from virtual, from, from containers. Um, and we show you that information and allow you to figure out whether it's fitting your security policy and enforce that security policy at the end of the day. Gotcha. And one of the things too that we always kind of talk about too is also the, you know, the soft skills and the the human element of a lot of security. Um, And inevitably this time of year comes out prior to RSA and and end of any calendar year that, you know, there's this, you know, a talent shortage or a skill shortage. What is your take? I mean, do we need more people or do we need better skilled people, better leaders? Where, where is the human element that we have gaps within our, our programs? Uh, great, great question. Obviously, I think one of the biggest things leading the security industry's problems today is, is the talent shortage, right? There's, there's uh, I don't know, the last I remember is there's over a million positions open for, for security jobs in, in North America. Um, and globally, it's probably an even bigger problem. Now, for all the reasons we mentioned, security is a very, very deep and, and tough uh, subject to be able to, to get more people into. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, what we want to leverage the most in terms of technology is how we make sure uh, uh, the team's time spent is on the right kinds of problems, on the right kinds of tasks, um, and make sure that they're able you know, to, to solve the bigger problems without uh, spending uh, time on, on the things that, that are the fundamentals. Right. And, you know, it seems, you know, my, my, my take on it too is that there is, how do you get that multiplier effect? How do you find that one person that can identify something in somebody else that says, oh, wow, you know, these are the types of characteristics that we look for in hiring so we can get 
more out of that person. Um, you know, <laughs> almost squeeze as much juice out of the, the lemon as possible. But, you know, from, from a hiring perspective, where do you see some of the things that managers should be looking for? Not just necessarily just in, hey, I can, I can write Python script or PowerShell. What are some of the other skills that are important for security practitioners to have and that the types of things that hiring managers should be looking for? Yeah, I think the first, the the number one thing is is uh, um, I'd call it relentless uh, curiosity, right? Um, security is all about where somebody's uh, uh, thought process made a mistake, right? If you look at it from vulnerabilities to to uh, uh, exploits to penetration testing, uh, vulnerability assessment, all those things, all of security lies on the fact that somebody stopped uh, thinking about all the all the states or all the cases of, of a system. And in order to, to be on the on the protective side, you have to have somebody who just has relentless curiosity. Even the things that are the most daunting from a, a, a learning perspective, uh, that person has has to learn. Um, and, and I think in, in some ways it, it's somewhat of a curse, right? I I, uh, I I wish that sometimes you wouldn't have relentless curiosity. Sometimes I wish I wouldn't be spending all night reading an RFC of something, um, but but that's just you know that's what it takes to, to be successful in our industry, and I think that's the core. Um, and everything else is, is probably teachable, or or uh, uh, there's room for for development. But I think that's that's the core. Um, but happy to get your opinion on it as well. What do you think? Yeah, you know, a, a big thing is you know we kind of look at it. I almost tell. People that hire, it's, you know, it's, it's less of a job or a career than a lifestyle. You know, you really kind of have to be ingrained into it. And, and as you said, the kind of relentless problem solving, um, which I always find is kind of interesting, too, for a lot of founders that I've talked to that said, hey, look, um, you know, we didn't know what we were getting into when we we're starting a business. But a lot of the skills that we learned from being a problem solver in security, because there is no roadmap in that, that you have to kind of put on that hat and, and constantly be thinking about new ways to tackle problems. And so it just becomes something that becomes so ingrained into people that you need to try to find that, but it's sometimes hard. And sometimes you do just need somebody that's going to have to look at a SIM, manage alerts, things like that, but maybe try to draw some of that out of them in the long term of how you can develop a new, you know, really find that that part of them that they had to kind of keep digging for. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And, and I guess the, the the biggest problem is you have to also have that ability to to prioritize and, and understand, you know, separating the, the the important things from the the non-important things. Those those two things have to live together because if you're relentlessly curious, but you end up, you know, diving into things all the time without realizing what's the priorities of what you need to do, that's also, you know, comes off as something that that would be challenging for you to do your job. So I agree. It's a very very um, um, totalitarian type of, of mindset that that goes uh, even further than just what your job is. Um, it's, it is a lifestyle, I agree. Yeah, and a lot of it has to be, you know, a part of wanting to be, you know, I think sometimes being part of something larger, it's why to kind of do this podcast, there's something to give back. And, you know, your history, you've given back quite a bit, spoken a number of conferences, and, you know, whether it be Black Hat or DEF CON, why did you decide to go kind of go that route and, and speak and kind of engage with the community? What, what kind of, what was some of your early thought processes getting into that and, and how often do you get to be able to do that now? 
So first of all, I think that the best thing about the security industry is, is its community aspect, right? Um, we, all, the, all those conferences you mentioned, I've gotten to meet so many people who I consider very, very close friends that uh, share information and are very excited about the fact that we're, we're all together as a community, improving the ability of the world to be secure against threats. Um, I, the, one of the reasons that, that we do that is because uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, like sort of like being a scientist in, in academia or, or uh, um, doing anything that advances human knowledge. That's, you know, that's why I get up in the morning at the end of the day is uh, uh, I'm, I'm fueled by a lot of, uh, I, would, I would use a very strong word here, uh, which, is, which is hatred. I, I get up in the morning and, and I hate a lot of things, <laughs> especially things that most people don't even notice. Um, or, or they say, you know, that's, that's just how things are. Uh, um, and I think that's also some, some of the reasons why I love, I love security so much is because I just, I, I just can't understand why some things uh, uh, don't behave in the way that, that, you know, you would want them to be, you would want them to be designed. And I'm sort of on this, this, you know, personal might, might be a, uh, uh, um, disillusioned crusade to, to solve one of those things. You know, in Exonus, we do that for, for cybersecurity asset management and and my previous roles, I've done that for other things. Um, but, but it's great to have partners on that, on that journey of trying to do something um, that you don't understand why it's broken or you don't understand why there's a problem. Uh, one of the best feelings in the world is to, to, to know that there's human camaraderie in those endeavors. Yeah, I think that's it's such an interesting part. You know, having been in IT for close thirty years, but really been focused on cybersecurity for the past decade, is the communal aspect of it so so different than other areas of IT. Yeah, definitely. Our cyber industry has its its issues here and there with with uh, personalities, but I think for the most part, it's extremely positive. And when you have a problem, um, you can go out and probably find somebody that can help you find the answer. And as long as you're giving back, you can usually get something out of it. Um, but if you kind of look back over your career, who who are some of the folks that really were the type of people that you can lean on and kind of get help that you, you think, wow, well, I, you know, I couldn't have gotten here without them. Um, so, so first of all, I'd say, I don't want to uh, uh, say uh, thanks to any any particular person because there's been so many, um, and basically every every person who I've worked with or or I've had the chance to to cooperate on, um, I'm I'm very very respectful and and admirational of everybody who's decided to work with me and, and decided to to pick up a challenge and, and do that along with me. I think the the people who I have the most respect for are. are uh, the practitioners, uh, the ones who I've worked with as customers, um, their their jobs are are very very tough. Uh, their mental state is is very lonely uh, many times, um, and and uh, our our industry somehow doesn't doesn't talk as much about how can we support our, our practitioners and, and their success besides the usual you know buy this tool or buy that tool or go to this training. Um, I think that there's a lot more room for the community to to, to uh, support our practitioners in, in that endeavor. And how do I become a person that that can meet the challenges of being in this industry much more powerfully? Because I've I've been very very thankful for those who have done that for me. Um, I've had many mentors. Many, some of them don't even know me, uh, but but they've been very helpful for me in my my career. Um, 
Well, there's there's a, a couple of books I'd, I'd like to mention. One is the one who got me into being interested in cybersecurity, um, and the other is something that that I go back into a lot. Um, the the first book is called Cyberpunk um, by um, uh, is it is it John Markoff, the famous New York Times writer. Um, I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Markoff. Uh, Cyberpunk is basically a book about three stories. One is the first uh, uh, saga of Kevin Mitnick when he got into jail. Um, the second is about the Eastern uh, Germany hackers, uh, Pango, and uh, I, I can't believe I forgot the other name. Um, and the third is, is uh, about uh, Robert Tappenmuller. Um, uh, sorry, Robert Tappen Morris, uh, more well known as RTM. Um, which wrote the first, uh, the, the Mars worm, the, the first uh, worm that took down about a seventh of the internet at that time. And the most interesting part about that book is it shows security from very naive aspects, but also from very dark um, emotional aspects. Um, and, and what was most, what that book did for me into getting me into security was, was realizing that there's this whole world of technological um, adversarial uh, relationships that people can pick. They can pick which side they're on. You know, when, when, when you're born as, as an Israeli American um, or you're, you're born a certain affinity in, in religion or, or sports team or whatever it is, um, in, in cyber you can pick. You can pick if you want to be on the good side or the bad side. Um, and you can pick which technology you want to work on. That was very big in, in making me passionate about cybersecurity. Um, the second book is, is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by, by Ben Horowitz, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of the best management books of all time. Um, I don't know if you can, if you, if I can use uh, profanities on this, uh, Go for on this it. podcast. Uh, yeah. So the, there's one, there's one quote in there that I love, which actually Ben didn't say, but the quote is, if you want to eat shit, don't nibble. Um, and to me, that's, that's the best quote around what it's like to be a founder. Somebody knows what, what, what it's like to, to run a startup. Uh, that's, that's the quote I would, I would give them. Um, and it's an amazing book. Every time I read it, I rediscover and understand how many things I didn't understand about being a CEO or, or co-founder of a company. Um, and I'd recommend that to, to everybody who's looking to do that. Yeah, a lot of the uh, Andreessen and Horowitz blog posts are great too. I've referenced those internally to a lot of my staff, um, you know, particularly when we're, we're designing products or services around pricing and, and you know when not to drop your prices. Um, and it's it's I think there's there's a lot of guides from that that are great that people have to look at outside a lot of the technical stuff. And even as you mentioned some of the earlier books like Cyberpunk, but I mean, Cliff Stoll's Cuckoo's Egg is still probably one of my favorite, you know, hacker books. And it was never even meant to be, it was before there was even really cybersecurity, but you know, how to go through that problem solving of finding somebody going through your network. And that, you know, it was really influential to me in the early nineties about what we are, what we've now become. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, Dean, I greatly appreciate you taking the time today. Where, where can people uh, find you? Uh, so, uh, you can, everybody who's listening to the podcast can get to me directly on my personal email. It's dean at exonius.com. Uh, I, I'm, I would be really happy to meet anybody who's going to RSA and wants to talk about um, asset management or security in general. Um, I love this community and I'm, I'm very grateful to be a part of it um, and just happy to talk to anybody who wants great team i appreciate it i'll be sure to put uh links to where you are on the interwebs on the show notes and again i really appreciate you taking the time today 
Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cybersecurity Interviews. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Please go to cybersecurityinterviews.com where you can find every episode, including show notes and links for each guest. There you can also find social media links and to sign up for new episode notifications. Thanks. We'll talk soon.